Good morning, Anchorage, Alaska, the lower 48 and the rest of the world. This is Bruce Lindquist with his podcast, Wonderful Counselor. The title of this mini-series is The Preacher's Kid That Fought Like the Devil. If you haven't listened to episode one, The Prayer, two, It Happened One Night, three, The Sacrifice, I encourage you to do so. Now the time has arrived for episode four, Am I My Brother's Keeper? If you are willing, close your eyes, unless you're driving, then please don't close your eyes. It's the year 1953, and it's time to use that God-given imagination of yours. Ready? Bang! The sound of a concussive blast from the gun fired echoed through the house up the rickety stairs to where two young boys, Rig, age seven, and Jose, age five, and their dog were waiting for their big brother, Big Bo, to return. Shadow the black lab could smell the blood and hear the muffled movements of the dragging body and immediately blocked the boys from going down the stairs. The boys knew from experience when Shadow did this, it meant to stay put, and they heeded the nonverbal command. Shadow padded down the steps to confirm with his eyes what his senses told him. He entered the kitchen adjacent to the living room and saw the boy's dad, or what was left of his body, from the impact of the 12-gauge shotgun. There in the middle of the room was their mom, who had just bled out on the carpet floor from knife wounds, and there was Big Bo, all of nine years, laying next to the wall, not moving. Shadow knew both parents were dead. He tried to revive Bo by nudging him with his nose and licking his face, but there was no movement. Shadow's eyes became sad, He sat on the floor, putting his head between his paws, and then ran up the stairs and motioned to Rig to follow him down and for Jost to stay put. When Rig saw the carnage, he felt nothing for his dad, went to hug his mom, but Shadow pulled on his shirt sleeve and led him to Big Bo. Rig tried to wake him and held his brother and started crying. Shadow understood his feelings, but there wasn't time. He grabbed his shirt sleeve with his mouth pulled him away, and led him back up the stairs where Jos, with his big, dark eyes, was waiting nervously. Rig gave the instructions, exercise, as they had been taught by Big Bo, with the code word Exodus, and Jos immediately went into the bathroom and started gathering supplies from the bags they had collected over the years. He got the clothes they would need and then grabbed the pillows. Rig was already down in the kitchen gathering all the non-perishable food items, cleaning supplies, filled jugs, as many as he could find with water, and of course got the first aid supplies. He went into the garage and gathered the camping supplies, the lantern, the makeshift tent, the sleeping bags, the hunting netting, and tore the screen off the outside back porch door and rolled it up for mosquito netting. He loaded the supplies in his dad's car and then gathered the bags his brother dropped down the stairs. What was he forgetting? Of course, they needed food and water for Shadow. Rig yelled up the stairs, get the key from the dresser, and Jos had already got it. Grab Dad's twenty-two and the shells. Got that too, said Jos, and the boys within hours looked as if they were the nation of Israel, plundering Egypt, getting ready to make their exodus. All the supplies fit into the 1953 Ford station wagon. Rig already had his dad's car keys. Time to get in, he said, but Jos was headed into the living room. Shadow blocked him before he saw the dead bodies and guided him back to the garage. Rig looked at Jos. Big Bo is giving us the opportunity to show us what we can do, 
just like he taught us. He'll check to see how we did soon. Rig hated to lie to his brother, but he couldn't know until they were safe. Shadow didn't get in the car, but ran down the road, and he would join them. Rig opened the garage door and drove the car down the country road to the lake. They got out and unloaded all the supplies. Shadow stayed with Joe's while Rig drove the car back to the garage of the house, pulled the door shut. He then put back the key to the car and left the house to meet his brother and Shadow. It wasn't that far and Rig could run. They met by the lake and it was 1 a.m. now and they were running out of time for danger would be arriving soon. They walked past the lake through the woods to a large champion tree about 50 feet high and Rig began to climb until he reached the wooded landing near the top where the tree fort was located. Bo and his brothers had over the years built this as Bo had confided in Rig. He didn't think he would make it out of the house alive, but they must survive. Rig then let down the basket on the ropes and the pulleys and lowered it to the ground, and the supplies were loaded 20 to 30 times up and down until there was nothing left on the ground. They lowered the basket for Shadow to get in, but he refused, and he nudged Joss to get in the basket, and Rig brought him up to the fort. Where's Shadow going? I don't know, said Rig, but he'll be back. In the meantime, we've got a lot of work to do. The boys began camouflaging the treehouse, and when they were done, even with the small lantern, no light could be seen. Bo had built shelves in the tree to put many of the supplies. Ropes were used to secure the water jugs. There was a shovel hidden under part of the tree, which was hollowed out, where the boys could poop through the hole on the other side of the tree, and refuge would fall into that. Like a ground latrine, soldiers would dig in the war. The boys had bleach as well and soap and water for sanitation. There was a place in the tree they could even see from the distance that outlined where the house was. They would soon know if Big Bo lived. Shadow nudged open the door to the house that Rig forgot to shut all the way, went upstairs and grabbed two of the boys' shirts and brought them into the living room. He dragged them through the blood-soaked floor. He then headed out the door in the opposite direction of where the boys were and ran for miles out into the woods. He dragged the boys' shirt and dropped them and started tearing at them with his mouth. He left the ripped shirts on the ground and headed back to the tree fort. Shadow on the left side of the lake left pellets, poop minefields, just in case anyone came their way. He then barked and the basket was lowered for him, and he was brought up to the fort. The dog bed was made, the boys were sleeping bags were in place. This made a very nice little home for them. Shadow looked at Rig. He knew it was time to tell his brother the truth. Joe beat him to the punch and said, Where is Big Bo going to come? We have all this stuff to get back to the house, and Mom and Dad come out of their stupor usually at noon. Rig looked at his brother. It's not an exercise. It's the real exodus. We can't go back home any more than the children of Israel could return to Egypt. Rig thought to himself, Big Bo was right. He looked after us to the end. Where's Mom and Dad? And Big Bo asked Jos. Shadow's eyes were getting sad again. Rig told him that Dad and Mom were, are dead. They killed each other. And Big Bo was on the floor, not moving. We can't just leave him, said Jos. We had no choice. If he's dead, we couldn't bring him. If he's alive, someone will find him. We have to stay here, said Rig. We have supplies for a little over two weeks. And if they find us... They won't let us stay together. We'll be like some of those kids we met. We'll never see each other again. All three of us are family, and we have to stay together. That's what Big Bo taught us. What do we do now, said Joe. We wait, said Rig. 
and see what happens when morning comes at the house. The boys were exhausted. They completed their mission like army rangers on steroids and now had to wait. It was about 9 a.m. when the car pulled up. It was the assistant pastor. It wasn't like Pastor Charles Oakley I to be late for church on Sunday morning. And when the pastor walked into the house, he ran back out, threw up, he ran back inside and got on the phone, and the local operator was about to receive a call that would cause her many sleepless nights. Hello, this is the operator. Maggie, this is Assistant Pastor Brown. He couldn't stop crying, and then he said, They're all dead. Pastor, his wife, blood everywhere. We need the police, funeral home, ambulance. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us. Maggie just about dropped the wires. Then she plugged in. We have an emergency, and the sleepy town woke up to its nightmare. Rick saw the lights coming down the hill. Ambulance, fire truck. They watched as a body, which had to be Big Bo's, was loaded into the ambulance. Other bodies over time were loaded into the hearse, and the police secured the crime area. Well, said Rig, they got him. He's in an ambulance. That means he ain't dead, and he hugged his brother. Joe started to pray for his brother, and Rig joined him. Even Shadow knelt in reverence as they prayed. It took many hours, but someone finally realized, didn't the pastor have two other sons? And the search parties were formed. The locals brought in their hunting dogs to track them. The dogs smelt the boy's shirt and caught the scent, and off they were, dragging the search parties behind them. Shadow had strategically dropped the, the bloody shirts. The men searching said examining the shirts that it looked like a pack of coyotes had got to them, especially if they had already been wounded. Their blood would have brought them in for the kill. When the men got back to the house, they showed the rest of the searchers the bloody shirts, and they all went home feeling hopeless and numb. It took many days. The investigation ended as a double homicide and two boys killed by wild animals. The next week was the funeral service. The church, the prayers were lifted up for Big Bow. The house, it was locked and closed off, and the town folk, they went on to grieve for this family. It had been the first week, and the boys stayed in their tree fort. They ate, went potty, slept, talked, and prayed. Both boys hugged Shadow all through the night. Joe woke up one morning and said, Bo will get us. Rig wasn't so sure. He had sat his body that night, and he wasn't moving. He was thankful Joe didn't see the bodies and the blood. He didn't mind taking that one for the team. After all, that's what Big Bo would do. Two weeks went by, and then the morning of the 13th day. At this point in the story, if you haven't listened to the previous episode, I do recommend you do that at some point for continuity of the miniseries. Big Bo looked at Yvette, his potential new mother, and said, So Dad and Mom are dead, but what about my brothers, Rig and Jos? Yvette broke into tears and held her soon-to-be son. They were torn apart by wild animals. So they're dead? asked Big Bo. Yes, I'm so sorry, said Yvette. Big Bo had his secrets, and he would use those for his advantage. His brother's lives were at stake. When will they let me go out of this hospital, Mama? asked Big Bo. They're filling out your discharge paperwork now, said Yvette. So Mama asked Big Bo, where's my new daddy? Adon was back at the church preparing to comfort his wife when she returned. He couldn't go back into the children's hospital again. His faith got shook when he prayed for that child and that mom and dad. The all-night vigil at the little boy's bedside. He was certain the little boy would live, but he died. 
He was just three years old. The devastation on the parents was too much to bear, too close to home. He flashed back to a memory when he gave up believing in a god. His youngest sister was seven then. He saw the whole thing, her crumpled body, the truck running into her, and dragging what was left of her under the chassis of the vehicle. It's then he didn't just lose his sister, but his dad and mom's marriage fell apart. He lived with his dad, and his dad took to drinking, and he lost a sister, a mom, and for all intents and purposes, his dad. Although he found the Lord in the chapel much later in his life, this was one of those memories that haunted him. Adon was praying for a vet's dad. The retired pastor came in church. He sensed the heavy-heartedness of his son-in-law. How did you do it, said Adon. You've served the Lord so faithfully, and with so many people with their losses. How did you not lose your faith? The old pastor touched the young pastor's arm. Son, he said, God's call isn't easy. Jesus was a man acquainted with grief. If you dare to love even a fraction like he does, your heart's going to hurt. You will have your garden moments, but in the end you'll trust God with your heart regardless of its condition at the time. You grieve with those that grieve and rejoice with those that rejoice. It takes the Holy Spirit, son, and the Father isn't afraid of us asking him the hard questions. He invites us to. Adon sighed. It's going it's to be heartbreaking for his wife and your daughter's heart when they unplug that boy today. Well, said the old pastor, God has the final word, and that wife of yours is like her mom. They can pray, and God listens. What brings you to my neck of the woods this morning, Dad? Son, my wife has had dreams and visions she experienced in God in many ways I haven't. I found comfort in the scriptures that Jesus called me blessed when I believed and haven't seen, or even haven't felt. I had today my first vision. The Lord told me to share it with you, because it's for you. Adon looked at the old preacher and said, I'm ready. What does the Lord have for me? You're going to be asked three questions, all of them you're to say yes to. Adon said, how will I know that? People are asking me questions every day. You will know. It will be that obvious to you. The pastor then hugged his son-in-law and left for home. Adon didn't know what to think, so he decided to pray, eat his lunch, the last thing he wanted for his wife to go to all this trouble to feed him and him not eat it. A vet came into the church. She wasn't alone. A little boy was holding her hand. Adon stood up, and a vet said, This man is your new daddy, and he's a good man. Big Bo couldn't believe it. He was going to be the son of a preacher again? He knew he needed to act. I have three questions for you, he said to the man, who his new dad may be. Adon couldn't believe his ears. Still, he needed proof. Big Bo said, Can I see your Bible? And Adon handed it to him. Do you know, to pass time, I learned about names and their meanings. Your name means Adam. And Mama, your name means Eve. And where did you come? Out of, where did I come out of my coma, Mama? At Garden Memorial Children's Hospital, said Yvette. Now in Genesis, Adam and Eve were initially in the garden, and they had a son. And what was his name? Cain, said Adon. What did Cain say to God after being killed? Abel, his brother? Asked Big Bo. Am I my brother's keeper, said Yvette. Now I'm not Cain, I'm Big Bo. My first question will be, 
Will you allow me to continue to be my brother's keeper? Yes, said Adon. Then let's go, said Big Bo. Where are we going, said Adon. I'll show you. We'll be there soon. They left the church, drove past the old house to the lake. Come on. They both got out of the car. Don't step to the left. Walk to the right. Otherwise, it'll be stinky for you, said Big Bo. Can you guys climb? Big Bo asked Don and Yvette, and they followed their son up the tree. Big Bo said, Rig, Jose, Shadow, I'm here, like I promised I would be. Two little brothers' heads popped up. Shadow barked. Don and Yvette couldn't believe their eyes as their brothers hugged. Big Bo introduced them. This is Calvin Wrigley Oakley III, or Rig. This is Josiah Oakley IV, or Jose. And this, my brothers, is your new mama and daddy. You will never hurt any one of us, will you? Adon and Yvette said, no, we will not ever hurt you. Big Bo said, my proper name is Calvin Bobby Oakley II. But the day you hurt them, I will be king. Third question, will you also adopt Shadow? Because we are a family, and to be with you, we are a package deal. Yvette looked at Calvin, her son and remembered all the questions and conditions she put Adon through before he married her. It was like she was hearing her own voice back to her. Adon chuckled. Our God has a sense of humor. I couldn't have missed this if I was hit by a two-by-four. Yes, they both said. They brought down all the supplies and clothes from the treehouse and loaded the car. There's only one thing left to do before we go, said Calvin, and his brothers in shadow were already headed for the dock, and they jumped in the lake and made a big splash. Adon and Yvette said, well, we're a family, and made a bigger splash than all of them when they hit the water. Join me in my next episode of Wonderful Counselor Podcast. This will be episode five, and it's called Home.